Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. This is part two of our episode on advanced recycling techniques. Today we have Myra Foster um, from Sealed Air. Um, so kind of before we go a little bit further, uh, could you tell me a little bit more about what Sealed Air does and um, what kind of products maybe consumers would see? Sealed Air does a lot of consumer-facing packaging solutions for the world, but we also do a lot of things that a typical consumer would not see. So you think of packaging that might go to a uh, food service restaurant or that might go for an export market. You might see um, some of our packaging solutions around what we call the perimeter of a traditional retail store. So where the chilled or, um, or frozen products are typically stored, you might see you know, solid uh, plastic trays uh, for protein. On the protective side, you could see any of our solutions being that we were the inventors of bubble wrap. You might see that in a e-commerce shipment. Our mailers are a big part of our, our market offer, our shrink films our air pillows, um, and then on the medical side, uh, we provide uh, materials for, for ostomy bags. And so um, spend some time on the Sealed Air website, you'll see that we're, we're more than a packaging company. We really view ourselves as being a, a knowledge-based company that is delivering solutions to our customers and, and partners around the world. And we're focused on leveraging automation, digital, and sustainability and driving where the company goes in the future. Myra, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got involved in sustainability? Sure. Um, so as you said, I'm, I'm Myra Foster. I've been uh, with Sealed Air for 31 years. Um, my background is actually uh, microbiology. I have a bachelor's and master's degree from Clemson University. And I uh, started with the company uh, originally in the applications group within our R&D organization. Um, and spent a number of years there working and supporting um, some of the early efforts on our produce packaging innovations, um, also supported our vertical pouch packaging business, and then moved into marketing and business development and another a number of um, strategy and um, business development roles across over the course of the years. Um, and about, I guess, three or four years ago, I was in a role supporting some of our strategic customers as an R&D liaison between um, the commercial side and the R&D side of the business. And I had the opportunity to uh, work with Ron Cotterman, who I knew from um, my days in business development when he was leading that group for a short period of time and uh, happened to express an interest in wanting to learn more about sustainability and uh, was um, afforded the opportunity to move into Ron's team um, leading sustainability strategy and advocacy. So what is your specific role at Sealed Air? So my team is uh, responsible for uh, helping to develop and move to execution the sustainability strategy for the company. Um, so we focus on how do we help support the innovation and development of sustainable solutions we work very closely with our strategic customers to understand their sustainability goals and how we can make sure that there's alignment. We work very closely with our supply chain operation to 
um, help establish and to measure progress against our operational goals. Uh, and we do a lot when it comes to public policy and advocacy, uh, making sure that um, our external stakeholders understand the importance of the solutions that we put on the market and that we advocate for policies that are, are favorable to our industry and more specifically favorable to the solutions that Sildare develops and commercializes around the world. Awesome. Can you tell me some of the big sustainability focuses that Sealdare currently has? When you think about sustainability, it's not just about the solutions, but it's also about how we make those solutions. And so our operational goals are just as important as the goals that we set around our packaging solutions. Since 2018, we've been focused on meeting our sustainability and materials pledge. We've committed to, by 2025, advance or design 100% of our solutions to be considered recyclable or reusable. We've also committed to focus on uh, eliminating plastic waste by incorporating recycled and renewable content into our solutions. And it, we've also talked about our uh, leadership position in collaborating with our supply chain partners to improve the circularity of our materials. So as an example, we recently issued a press release about a partnership or collaboration with major retailer Ajo Del Hayes and ExxonMobil, where we are working to demonstrate that packaging derived from front of house or back of house can be collected and reprocessed into oil or gas uh, that becomes a feedstock to create new resins to make new sealed air packaging solutions. But we're also excited about where we're going as it relates to our operational goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, energy and water intensity, as well as to divert any waste from landfill and external incineration. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, as specifically as material scientists, it's great to see that, you know, we're focusing on renewable content. We're focusing on adding more recycled content and designing recyclable solutions. So that that's awesome. That's definitely something that I'm excited to be a part of as well. And so you kind of answered a little bit about how uh, materials are already used to move um, sealed air sustainability goals forward. Is there kind of an alignment with other businesses in this area or is this something that, you know, we're kind of leading a little bit more? Where are we in terms of either other packaging companies or other, you know, uh, plastics and paper manufacturers? I certainly think that sealed air is really being a world-class leader in the space of sustainability. We have a portfolio of solutions that cover both plastic and renewable or fiber-based solutions. When you look at commitments that are made, many companies have made similar commitments to design their materials to be recyclable by 2025 or 2030. But I think among the, our packaging peers, we probably have one of the most aggressive goals at trying to achieve 50% recycled or renewable content in our solutions. Um, we recognize that this is going to require an investment in demonstrating circularity and working with our resin su supply partners as well as our customers to be able to demonstrate that we can recover and recycle our plastic materials into new solutions. We know that part of our role is not just on providing circular packaging solutions, but also making sure that we stay focused on our commitment to make sure that we mitigate food waste and that we reduce product damage and, and loss uh, through distribution. And so we like to think of ourselves as a company that's focused on the holistic side of sustainability that covers the materials, our operations, and driving 
protection of, uh, of our customer solutions. In terms of some of these goals that we have and that you have highlighted, do they stem from some kind of public policies or government incentives, or is this um, you know, just the way the world is moving? Kind of where did these come from, I guess? Well, sustainability is something that's been important to Sildare uh, long before sustainability was probably a common vernacular for many companies. Um, we had 2020 goals that we set back in 2014, and even before then, we were looking at um, energy recovery um, from our plastic waste solutions. And so we've been looking at, you know, right-sizing and downsizing and, you know, making our materials more lightweight over time. And so by default, we've always been focused on sustainability, but I certainly think that after the um, article that National Geographic published with the iceberg of plastic on the cover, it certainly has gotten a lot more attention around plastic waste and um, its role in driving sustainability. So since 2018, again, we've made very bold pledges and commitments to uh, make our materials recyclable, reusable, to incorporate recycled content. And so we, we took the initiative to do that even before public policy really started to ratchet up about how to address plastic waste. It was something that was core to who Sealed Air is, and it's something that we've been focused on, as I said, for quite some time. Certainly, public policy is putting a lot of pressure on our industry in general to uh, address plastic waste and to make our solutions uh, more amenable to recycling technologies. And so part of our role uh, in advocacy is to make sure that uh, as best as we can influence it, that there's good public policy being made, that there's not legislation that's being put out that has the unintended consequence of hindering consumers' ability to recycle or hinder our ability to optimize our packaging solutions to provide the most protection that's possible. So we are working very hard with our trade association partners to make sure that um, legislators and other external stakeholders really have a full appreciation for the importance that packaging plays in the world and that we are mindful or that they are mindful of the kinds of legislation and policies that they are proposing that they don't have the unintended consequence of moving us in the wrong direction and making the world and the, the products and solutions around the world less sustainable um, because of policies that uh, may be well intended, but that aren't really doing the, the, the best work at moving us to being more of a circular uh, society. Do you have an example of something like that that would be moving us in the wrong direction, something that we're trying to avoid? Yeah, there certainly are um, some policies that are being proposed uh, in a couple of states. Um, California, in, in particular, is looking at a, a piece of legislation that would significantly impact um, the use of plastics in e-commerce shipments. So as a result of that, um, looking at solutions that may be non-plastic could cause the size of the package to increase could cause the weight of the package that's shipped for e-commerce to increase. Um, and so anytime you're substituting a lightweight material that is store drop off recyclable with a heavier material, it's going to consequently increase the, the amount of packaging that's needed and then the cost of shipping that solution around the world. So that's an example of where um, there may be a view that um, eliminating plastic is the way to go but sometimes the alternative solution has a higher carbon footprint, requires more material, 
increases the total weight of the package. And that's an example of where we see things moving uh, in a direction that may not necessarily be advantageous from a, a carbon perspective. We've also seen a couple of uh, NGO organizations to um, list certain materials or polymers as problematic. And um, in doing so, they, they may not fully recognize that the resins that we use are specialty resins that are designed to provide product protection and extend shelf life and minimize food waste. And so policies or recommendations that um, cause our industry to have to look for alternative solutions, those alternative solutions may not be quite as effective in protecting and preserving uh, food products. And so that's another example of where legislation that specifically calls out eliminations of certain materials can have the unintended consequence of causing food waste to increase. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought of it that way, that food waste is also something that we should be trying to eliminate as well. It's And it doesn't make sense to move in a direction that will increase spoilage and everything. That's that's exactly right. And sometimes people fail to realize because they're so overly focused on the packaging material that the real carbon intensive part of the package is typically the product that's being packaged. Right. Um, I've read that, you know, if you if food waste were a country, it would be like the third largest contributor of greenhouse gas emissions. And, uh, you know, sometimes that gets lost um, with the environmental NGOs or with legislators who, quite honestly, just don't understand the science behind um, uh, carbon footprint, particularly when it comes to food packaging, but also when it comes to non-food. Um, if you are ordering a computer or a, or a phone and it ships to you in a way where it's not securely packaged and it arrives to you damaged, you can't use it. And all of the energy that went into producing that computer or, or producing that cell phone is now lost and a replacement product has to be shipped to you. And um, that has an unfavorable carbon impact on, on the planet. And ultimately, that's what sustainability is about, is how do we you know, leave something for future generations um, by managing the resources that we have available to us in a much more effective way. Right, right, yeah. No, that's that's definitely a very, very good way to put it, yeah. Are there uh, maybe some materials or some uh, types of plastics that this is easier or better to do this with? Well, I'll give you an example of, as I mentioned, the uh, project or the pilot that we have with Ajo, Del Hayes, and ExxonMobil. Um, as a company, we buy a lot of polyolefin materials, so polyethylenes, polypropylenes. And uh, this uh, circular pilot that we're doing with uh, Ajo and, and, and Exxon is going to allow us to incorporate recycled content polyethylene into uh, a food packaging material leveraging advanced recycling technology to be able to give us um, the quality of polyethylene that we need to be able to make it a material that's acceptable for direct food contact. So that's an example of leveraging technologies like pyrolysis and eventually gasification to convert those polyolefins into recycled content. Um, so uh, there's certainly a number of other polymer classes uh, that we use in our formulations, and we see that our suppliers are making great strides 
and making those solutions uh, circular as well. So we think that um, that there will be more of those kinds of uh, opportunities with our resin supply partners and our, our customers and, and retail channel partners to do similar kinds of things, to look at a wide array of packaging materials and, and polymer types so that eventually no particular polymer um, doesn't have a recycled content version. So what do you mean by advanced recycling? So I'm, I'm certainly not a chemist, but uh, advanced recycling uh, encompasses a number of different uh, technologies, whether it's uh, using heat to convert uh, plastic back to its uh, monomer or plastic components, whether it's through oil or through gasification, which generates uh, syngas um, that can be um, uh, polymerized back into resin material. Um, pyrolysis is a, is a common form of advanced recycling, again, converting it back to oil, which can serve as a feedstock that's done um, at very high temperatures without the presence of oxygen. So these are not combustion technologies, they're not uh, incineration technologies, but they are a way of, of uh, generating heat uh, or using heat in the absence of oxygen to be able to convert plastic back to its original building blocks. Um, there are also a number of um, processes that use uh, solvents, so things like subolysis is a very common process where we use solvents to, again, break the material back down to its original uh, building blocks. And uh, those, those technologies um, allow us to, to take waste material and uh, convert it into a feedstock that can be used to be processed into new materials. And by doing so, that, that lessens our reliance on having to have virgin uh, feedstocks uh, that are derived from fossil-based inputs. Along that line, what do you see are, are some like major challenges? Well, why can't we just make 100% recycled material right now? Is there strength deficiencies, um, processing deficiencies? What are, what are kind of the main things that are stopping us from being able to achieve, you know, 100% recycled content and everything? I think that there are multiple facets of that. Um, obviously, we'd like to be able to demonstrate closed loop circularity. So that means taking our materials and actually recycling them and turning them into recycled content. And in order to do that, the material's got to be designed to be recyclable. That's either compatible with a mechanical recycling stream or an advanced recycling stream. And then they've actually got to be collected and sorted and reprocessed into new material. So that's that's one element of it is being able to recycle our materials and the infrastructure is certainly lacking to be able to do that. Uh, the other thing is the capacity is just not at the point that we need it to be to make everything from 100% recycled content. Uh, as I just mentioned in the example pilot that we're working on with um, Ajo Del Hayes and ExxonMobil, it's focused primarily on, on polyethylene. Um, there are a number of different uh, other material types, as I said, that aren't yet at a large enough scale that we could incorporate 100% recycled content into, into all of our solutions. Um, and then the other thing is the market has to be willing to pay for that. Um, people often think that, oh, well, if it's made from recycled content, it must be cheaper than virgin content. And it's not because there, there's just not the scale of recycled content available in the same way that the scale of virgin input is available. And so until there gets to be a, an increase in the scale of production of recycled content, 
Um, and until there's a, a market demand that's willing to pay the premiums associated with recycled content, I think it's going to take some time to eventually get to a point where we can significantly increase the amount of recycled content uh, across our entire portfolio. It's something we certainly aspire, but it's certainly uh, it's it's not a sprint. It's certainly a journey to be able to actually do that. Yeah, so that I mean, part of that is because every time you recycle something, it's getting weaker or the bonds are breaking or something. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think I've read that d depending on the material, uh, you may get five to seven um, times out of it within mechanical recycling. With advanced recycling, the hope is that you will get significantly more opportunities to to recycle that material. But in most cases, particularly with fiber, five to seven times is a pretty common industry standard before you get uh, the fibers are so short that you can't really reprocess them and uh, without compromising the, the the modulus or the stiffness of the material that you're trying to make. And so, you know, there are limitations to what we can do, uh, but certainly we're focused on identifying those things that we can do and, and moving that to uh, tactical execution. Yeah, yeah, and definitely, and, and specifically for fiber, you know, e even when you get the yield that, you know, the, before it's recycled five or seven times, say something that's only been recycled a couple of times, even that fiber still has, you know, stickies attached to it or ink or something, it doesn't get fully taken out. So you're, you know, the strength of your new box is not going to be as good as the strength of a virgin pulp box. That's but funny. those are some, I guess, uh, properties that maybe customers have to forego or we have to find ways around those with different kinds of additives but still additives that are not bad for the environment and still provide or go towards the sustainability goals as well right. and, yeah and i think that's the that's the the beauty of innovation is that um where we are today is not necessarily where we'll be a year from now or five years from now and i think um, companies like sealed air that are looking at how to drive innovation and to look at new technologies for uh, not only recycling our materials, but reprocessing them into new materials is what's really gonna help to, to move the entire industry forward in demonstrating true circularity. We spoke a little bit about the, uh, the challenges. Uh, can you tell me maybe a couple of really big success stories or major sustainability achievements that we've had at Sealed Air? Well, again, the, the pilot that we just talked about is a great example of uh, us being able to take plastic waste and convert it back into circular polymer. Uh, we did a similar demonstration in the UK uh, two years ago with uh, the store drop-off stream from a major retailer known as Tesco, and we were able to uh, work with our partner Plastic Energy to convert that into recycled content that we incorporated into our uh, barrier defilm for shrink wrapping cheese. And so those are examples of, of successes that we've had. On the protective side of the business, we've uh, had a significant level of success in converting some of our own uh, plant waste material into recycled content into new materials. Um, as you can imagine, because those solutions aren't necessarily touching uh, food or coming into direct contact with food, it's a little bit easier to identify recycled content for things like our air pillows or things like bubble wrap. So you mentioned something about the food contact. Is that something that uh, it's harder to do with recycled content? It certainly is a consideration. And as you probably are aware, there's strict guidelines around what uh, polymers can come into direct contact with food. Um, for fiber-based packaging, it has to be virgin fiber in direct contact with food. 
uh, for plastic solutions, that's the beauty of advanced recycling, is that we're able to get virgin-like quality that would allow us to use those recycled content polymers and they would be acceptable for direct food contact. But uh, to your point, uh, we have to be very uh, judicious about what comes in direct contact with food uh, because, again, first and foremost, we want to make sure that um, we are not compromising the, the safety and efficacy of our packaging materials with anything that we would do to incorporate recycled or renewable content. So for something like that, what is more traditional recycling lack that advanced recycling is able to achieve? Well, if you, if you think about it from just, uh, you know, living in the United States, really the ability to, to collect and, and sort flexible plastics really just doesn't exist at large scale in the United States, with, with the exception of the store drop-off stream. Uh, and that stream has mainly been used for composites like, like decking. Um, so while mechanical recycling certainly does have its place, it does have its limitations in being able to deliver food quality, high quality inputs that can be used for food packaging or even for non-food applications where the quality of the material has to be as such that uh, it can be incorporated back into our packaging. Um, odor retention is, is a big issue with mechanically recycled uh, materials, often because there's paper contamination and uh, labels that often get uh, mechanically recycled with the plastic that make that material not fit for use uh, because of the odor associated with it. And so we think advanced recycling is a, a great complement to mechanical recycling. Um, in those situations where we can take mechanically derived recycled content, we do that. But in those situations where we need a higher quality output, that's where advanced recycling really comes um, to provide us with the kind of recycled content that we can use comfortably in uh, our food packaging um, solutions and also in those select protective packaging solutions that require a higher quality than what can be generated from mechanical recycling. Gotcha. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Is there anything you would like a general audience to just know about sustainability as a whole, about sealed airs products? I think if I had the opportunity to, to, to speak just generally, it would be to dispel the notion that plastics are bad for the environment. I think the more people can understand the value that flexible plastics bring to preserving food, protecting products through distribution, allowing um, brand owners to communicate the value of their products, the more they would see the, the desire and the need to work together to address the challenges that we face and to not take the position that we're just going to throw everything away or ban everything, but to say, how can we coexist and how can we look at sustainability in a much more holistic way? Shifting gears a little bit, uh, this is kind of just because you are a long-term person in the industry. Is there any kind of advice you have for young scientists or engineers kind of looking back at your career who are maybe interested in following a sustainability focused path? Well, well, I certainly think the field of sustainability is something that's going to be around for generations to come. Uh, there's always going to be a desire and a need to look at innovation and to look at the way we run our businesses, the way we live, the way we 
We transport goods around the world through the lens of sustainability. And so I think as a field, the opportunities really are limitless for what you can do as it relates to sustainability. And so as a, as a scientist coming into the organization, I think one of the things I learned early on is that the role you come into is not necessarily the role you have to stick to, that it's important to always be open to learning, um, to taking on new responsibilities, to uh, even shifting to areas that were not necessarily what you went to school to do, but to leverage your ability to be a critical thinker, to uh, learn as much as you can about business acumen and how companies are run and how to make good good decisions, uh, how to be a strategic thinker, um, and how to uh, be agile enough to, to take on new responsibilities, to take on new roles, take on new projects, and do those things that in the end help you to grow and learn as an individual and make you even more valuable to the company where you work. One thing that we ask everybody right, right at the end is, um, do you have a fun fact about sustainability or sealed air or anything that you want to kind of finish with? You know, I, I was thinking about that, a fun fact. I, I'm not sure if I have a fun fact. I will say that the people I've, I've met and the places I've visited have been probably the most fun part of being at Sealed Air. Um, I've had an opportunity to visit a number of different countries around the world and to work with people from um, all walks of life and dip, uh, disciplines and cultural experiences. And I think that's what's made work enjoyable. That's great. Yeah. Well, Myra, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity and uh, um, grateful for the, the chance to speak to you. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGTM Podcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com. 